Hello and welcome to Full Send with Christina Kim and Alan Shipnuck. Thanks for joining us, y'all. Uh, we're back at it. Episode five already. We're, we're, we're kind of finding our footing here, I think. Christina, do you agree? Yeah, I. so I want to say full disclosure, I travel almost every single week that we're doing this podcast. So I've received a handful of messages saying the audio is shit. I'm aware it's primarily my fault. I can't necessarily control what the acoustics are going to be. Um, I can do as well as I can with my my Blue Yeti mic and, uh, you know, the MacBook that I had to buy for this podcast, which I'm okay with. Um, I just wanted to make sure everybody knows I'm doing my best. I think we're we've 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 figured it out. It it and then Christina was very attached to her iPad, even though we tried to tell her, I don't know if that's gonna work. There's, there's not as many settings and doesn't have quite the juice. So uh yeah, that was that was a battle that was took a little time to win, but we we, we prevailed. So yeah, we we've gotten teched up, we're on a different platform. I, I I think I think we figured it out. But what I was going to say is the the first four episodes we've it's kind of been hinted at you know you you mentioned mental health it's kind of a a recurring theme in some of the conversations I figured you know it's it's time that we really just plunge in because it's a uh, it's a topic that affects us all in some ways or another you've been very brave and open about your ups and downs and uh, so I, I just thought let's let's just get into it I mean why don't you take the the listeners through a little guided tour of, of some of your struggles and some of your triumphs. Cause uh, you know, there's a story in golf digest years ago, there's some stuff in the book that, that we wrote together. Yeah. That's going back almost 10 years now, but uh, more than I, I guess the, is it really my good 12 years? No. Yeah. It was the 2009 oh, wow. season that we had chronicled. Season, right? Yeah. Unbelievable. That seems like a lifetime ago. Uh, but uh, you know, it's, it's open-ended, but I, I guess, how you're sitting you're sitting at a bar and someone says christina tell us about your mental health this is this is your answer oh my gosh well this i mean this in and of itself could be the entire episode just me sort of rambling on about about this subject um yeah i i would just say that it's something that i have battled my entire life it is something that i have to work with and contend with every single day um, I have had the highest of highs. I have had the lowest of lows. Um, and, and you're right. It does seem like a lifetime ago because I don't actually like nowadays, I can't even recall the exact years in which things have taken place. Um, but you know, we're going more than, you know, we're, like we, you had said, when we wrote our book together, you know, I had touched up on it and it would have been in 2009, though the book was published in 2010, how, you know, you you have this, and this is one reason why I think branding is bullshit, because there was a part of me that, even though I would be going through some struggles and I'd be going through some lows and I would feel like crap and wouldn't understand why, and at the same time, I knew that I travel around the world. I get to play a game to make money. I had the most supportive family, still do. I, you know, have some amazing friends in my life, um, some of whom are still a part of it to this day, some who, you know, 
are not. I, you know, I, I had it all in essence. You know, I was I was a very recognizable player, especially in you know the the late two thousands and you know in the turn of the decade. I had um, two wins at that point, uh, four three wins worldwide, had a USGA record for lowest score in a single round in a tournament, all, all of these amazing things. I felt like shit. And it was one of those things that it's like, you know, I shouldn't. And theoretically, quote unquote, knowing that I shouldn't makes you feel worse. You feel more guilty. You feel more helpless because you sit there and say, oh, well, I have, you know, I have all these accolades and and people you know people quote unquote love me and it's one of those things now where people will be like oh christina like everybody loves you and nowadays i can sit there and be like you know why because they don't fucking know me you know i i and so part of my past quote brand unquote was that i was always happy i was always smiling i would be the first one to crack a joke i would do this i would do that there was never anything wrong and I didn't have the means of that's being armor. That's that's camouflage. I mean, that's 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 Lee Trevino too. He's actually a very brooding character and, and yeah. you know, in private, but but you know that that's his, his sure. public face. But I mean, what do you? Yeah. What, I, I just want to make this point real quick because what you're saying like very much resonates with me because one of my daughters had had some some you know pretty serious struggles with, with her mental health, and I gave her the pep talk a few times about. Oh, you're not. You're, you know, your family loves you, and you live in this beautiful place. And uh, and I would almost try to like talk her out of her feelings and, and try and legislate how she was supposed to feel, which obviously mm-hmm. was a mistake and something that I had to learn and understand. And that that's such a common thing that people around you, um, rather than I guess validating or even understanding what you're feeling, just just want everything to be better, and they want to try and enforce that upon you so i that what you said really resonates with me as someone who you know i've, I've just kind of dealt with it and it, it's frustrating you know you, you love somebody you just want them to be happy and you want and you, you want to try and fix them which of course is uh at best problematic and is probably impossible i mean it has to come from the inside so as you're in you're in that spot you know 10 years ago but how, what did you do to to sort of um, get healthier or to to change that course? Well, so I think it was was it 2012 or 13? I Lord knows, I actually can't remember because it was so long ago, and and it's one of those things that I don't. I, I think about it a lot. I I just. Yeah, I sit here and say that time is a man-made construct, so to hell with it. You know, I don't have to think about, you know, the exact date that it was or whatever. I was at a tournament in Spain, and we were at a, in essence, a pairings party or a pre-round party. And I was with my boyfriend, Duncan French, who has been my rock for going on 11 years now. And I had, I was overwhelmed I was exhausted mentally, exhausted emotionally, exhausted physically. I didn't necessarily know these things at the time. And so I was like, I gotta, I gotta go. I, I, I need some space. It's so loud. There's so many people. The last thing I want to do is talk. And all anybody wants to do is talk to me. 
And we're talking about other players, other caddies, tournament directors, all of those things. And I was doing my part and I was like, I, I need a, I need a, I need a hot minute. I need some space. And so I went up to the top of this beautiful castle, which was hosting our party. And I was finally all by myself and I was um, on the roof overlooking the Mediterranean ocean. And I was just like, God, I, that's the answer. Like, I'm just going to jump like your girl. I, I, uh, for as much adipose tissue as I have, you'd be surprised by how hydrodynamically built I'm not. And I always <laughs> joke to people that I'm not going to go in the water when outside the water, I already look like a harbor seal. So I'm not going to give a shark like the idea of, oh my God, there's my next meal. And I can survive in the water. I'm just not a big fan of it. I love oxygen and I love gravity. And so I just told myself like, that's, that's the answer right there. Like there's, there is where the peace would be found. And I was about to step off the roof and jump, you know, probably ping pong down, you know, along these stone walls and into the rocks and, um, you know, end my life. And uh, honest to God, I had a quick thought in my brain of son of a bitch, I have the car keys. And I wasn't going to leave Duncan Hindra. Like if he had the keys, I would have been like, bye. Well, I wasn't going to leave him stranded there. Like, you know, that was the thought that it's so I, I say that he saved my life. And so after that, um, that evening, I told him about what happened. And he, for months, he was like, you know, what's wrong? Are you okay? Like, and he wasn't trying to say, you know, he, he's, he's so great. Cause he's like, what you feel is what you feel. What you feel is something that I can't personally truly understand because that's inside of you. And that's not inside of me, your exact feelings. So let's talk it out. Let's try and see if I can come to some sort of an understanding of what it is that you feel. And he was one of the greatest um, people because he never said, you know, the thing of, you know, you have your whole life ahead of you and so many people love you and you're so lucky because you get to travel around the world. That's that, you know, whatever. And, and, and as a parent coming from someone who's not a parent and never will be a parent, I'm much more of a, a, a mentor or a cool aunt that'll, you know, on your 21st birthday, I'll buy you all the Jaeger, Jaeger bombs that you want. And then I'll just hoist you over my shoulder and drag you around to the next spot. I completely, from the outside, I completely understand everything that you do for your kids is because you love them. And so, you know, my family would, would occasionally, they would be like, are you okay? And I'm like, yeah, I'm, 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 I'm fine. Which is, that is a word that I no longer put into my vocabulary. Because for me, if I say I'm fine, like, honey, ain't nothing fine. Like, I have to be like, I'm good, I'm okay, or no, I'm not, I'm not okay. And so they would say things like, you know, you know, you have your, you have everything you're, you know, loved by the community, you play golf for a living, this, that, and I, in my brain, I sit there and I'm like, I know you say this because you love me. Do you really think I'm unaware of that? And do you think that continually, not continually, occasionally putting that into my brain actually makes me feel better? I am acutely aware of that fact and knowing that fact and having other people know that fact about me makes me feel worse. And it's, it's, it's one of those things that 
if you don't go through it yourself, you, you don't understand. And so I, I always tried my best to forgive my family for saying things like that because it's everything that they do, even if it's them, you know, if I were to get into an argument with my family or, or something like that, it, honestly, everything is done because they love me. And I'm in a much better place now where I can truly understand that. But I was just talking, I said, I said, I said, I feel empty. I feel dead. I just wanted to be dead. And, and he, um, you know, we had like a three hour conversation. I was finally letting it all out. We, I was, I was, I was laying on the bed, curled up, just sobbing uncontrollably. And there was nothing that he could do or say, you know, he'd pat me on the head. He would, you know, pull me in close. He would hold me. He would just let me have it and let me let it out. And he said, I think you need help. And I said, I think you're right. I, I think I do need help. And so for me, what I ended up doing was I called the tours medical director, Dr. Bruce Thomas. He was worked with professional athletes for literal decades. And I called him from Spain and I'm like, I don't know what's wrong with me. I almost killed myself yesterday. I, this, that, whatever, whatever. And we did this whole run through of everything. And it was one of the best decisions I made as opposed to going to a psychiatrist or a psychologist. Not that there's anything wrong with it, but as opposed to talking about my feelings, he was able to say, hey, you know what? Yeah, you've been on tour for, you've been a professional golfer for damn near 10 years. Your body, Everybody's body reacts in the same way in that your brain uh, takes in everything that you're doing, everything surrounding you, your brain, um, you know, when you have good events, it releases serotonin when it's time to go to bed. Cause I was having trouble sleeping. I was taking sleeping pills just to try and knock myself out for a few hours. You know, your, your brain releases melatonin and that's what helps you go to sleep this and that. And he was like, your brain is fried. Like there's nothing wrong with you it's like your brain is a car and it ran out of oil it ran out of radiator fluid it, it ran or antifreeze ran out of fuel so it it can't go anywhere so why don't we um you know we we had a, a long talk and he said why don't we try to give your chance of brain or give your brain excuse me your brain a chance to rest and don't be freaked out by this. Maybe we'll supplement it with some artificial serotonin for a little while. And I'm going to keep up with you. We're going to talk all the time. I'm going to see how you're feeling. I'm going to see how things are going. And if we need to adjust the dosage, if we need to try a different medication altogether, we'll try anything and everything. And so I went on this um, six-month voyage where I was taking an antidepressant and I was so lucky because between, and it was like, it was a tiny, tiny dose, which I'm so thankful for because Dr. Thomas was like, I've known you for your entire career. This is what you're like, this, that. He's like, I'm not going to give you a crazy amount of this antidepressant. Like it's going to be just, uh, we want you to be able to, to, to get by. And then you're giving your brain a chance to rest. And with that rest, you're going to be able, you know, hopefully to, to replenish your depleted resources. Six months go by and I, I woke up and I was like, I'm good. I'm not fine. I'm good. <laughs> and 
Although, you know, I mean, and it was like, it was like five milligrams of this time, you know, so it wasn't a heavy dosage as it was. I ended up quitting, not quitting. I just, I stopped taking the medication like cold turkey. And, and I know that that's not advised with a lot of people because, you know, you have to be weaned off. You have to do this, that. And I was just like, I was a bundle of energy. I was happy again. And I felt like I could feel my brain, like someone had taken the pump and filled me up with fuel, uh, replenished my radiator with antifreeze, put in the oil into the engine of my car, wherever it goes, because I don't really know. I'm not a car person. And <laughs> ever since then, I, I have been able to have the perspective of, you know what? Fuck it. It's okay to not be okay. It's okay to feel like shit because denying yourself what your reality is at the moment will continue to build on the crappy feelings that you're already having. So for me, nowadays, ways in which I cope, um, obviously, and it's it's such bullshit because it's just like, it's like you're like really, like I call bullshit on that, but it's a, a, a good diet. I, I do keto, so I have a lot of, um, you know, good fats in my diet, nuts, cheeses, so many oils. Um, minimal carbs because they don't, I don't process them well. And I actually feel a mental uh, difference when I do consume carbs, um, you know, moderate amounts of protein, lots of exercise, lots of, of vitamin D by being out in the sun. Um, I drink tons and tons of water. I, and, and one thing I love to do is I am a huge supporter of float tank therapy. Um, Interesting. For me, is that, is, I, I, that's where they put you. I, describe that because I think I've seen it where they, they they put you like in a basically like a wetsuit and they're blasting water at you and. Nah, what, what no, no, like? no. Float tank therapy is so there's and there's various different vessels in which you are going to be placed into whether it's an egg shaped pod whether it's a large pool or what have you. Oftentimes you're going to be in I don't know eight to fourteen inches of water. The water is set at like ninety anywhere from 92 to 95 degrees Fahrenheit. It's right around that 90 or 37.5 degrees Celsius, which is the same temperature as your skin. And so let's say it's like 200 gallons of water. And I think it's something like 600 or 1200 pounds of Epsom salts. And so the concentration of the salt and the salinity of the, the water actually causes you to completely float and be perfectly buoyant. And it's got a higher buoyancy and a higher density than the Dead Sea, which a lot of people oftentimes in, in the Middle East will pilgrim, uh, it's a, they pilgrimage to it and they float and it's got all of these wonderful uh, healing properties, this, that, you know, whatever, whatever. I haven't been yet, that is on my bucket list. And so what it is, is it's, it's true sensory deprivation. So you do have the option for music, I turn it off. You have the option for light, I turn it off. So there's no sound, there's no, um, and it's completely dark, so there's no sound, no sight. Um, it's water, so there's no sense of smell. Um, you can't hear anything. You've got earplugs in, and your skin is the same temperature as the water. So you lose sense of where your skin and your body stops and where the water begins. You straight up becoming just a floating brainstem. And so for do you me... Feel like, do you feel like you're in the womb? 
That's exactly what I was going to say. It's the closest we will ever get to re-entering the womb. And so for me, what happens, and it sounds like crazy and hippy-dippy and people probably think I'm on mushrooms or whatever. I've never once taken um, mushrooms is like, I know that it's working because it's like, I'll, I'll, whether I close the door, close the lid, whatever it is, because I don't really care. As long as I've got that buoyancy, that's all that matters. Lights are off, no sound. And you're just sitting there in pure blackness and I end up, it's like an astral projection because I end up in the cosmos in the sense where everything is like the deepest black you've ever seen, except you can see stars everywhere. And they're not like, you know, the five pointers and they're not like, you know, like beautiful little shiny, this, that. They're, they're, they're specks and they're different depths. And like, I will, it's like I'm in a, uh, a spaceship. I zoom through the, through space and then... What happens is the theta brainwaves start going and I, it's like, you know, like a lot of those pictures that Jimmy Walker would take with his, you know, his, his, his civilian Hubble telescope. They're just, they're incredible where you see the, 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 the gases in the clouds and all of that stuff in, in the cosmos. I see that it's like a combination. It first starts off, um, in like these green sweeps it's it's like the aurora borealis or australis depending on which side of the world that you're living on and then like i know shit is about to go down because it starts turning to pink and then it's like i zoom right into this like void where it's like i can see a cloud covering something and everything is red and it just it is like you know it's like a 1980s laser light show and it is just incredible <laughs> and that is um you know those are your your pineal gland they call it your theta brain waves that's what uh, releases the serotonin that's what releases the melatonin and so for me if i can get that going like realistically if i could it in the before times, like I would try and go once a week and early in the week. And it's just like, you're just like, everything is good. Like you've got your, 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 you're rolling in the serotonin. You're so happy. Um, and <laughs> it allows you the chance to just give your brain a break because even when you're sitting there and you're like, oh, I'm just going to Netflix and just veg out. Like your body is still constantly battling gravity. You know, your brain is doing all of these subconscious movements where in in this pod, you're like, buddy, we got it. We're going to we're going to take that gravity out like you can, We're just going to remove that one variable. Now, all you got to do is focus on breathing, blinking if you want to keep your eyes open. And I do this like crazy thing where like my eyes are just slit, barely, barely open. And it's just like all over the place so that's something that i'm a huge huge proponent of and and i would i would recommend anybody to try it um and you're also relaxed because it's epsom salts and everyone talks about taking epsom salts baths this that i'm like sweetheart like this is like the saltiest shit you will ever come across and like it helps with inflammation and ailments like and it's not too hot it's literally the perfect temperature and so this is it's one of my favorite things to ever do so for folks who are intrigued by by this concept, how long are you in the darkness? What does something like that cost? I mean, if, if someone wants to go out and I, mean, I, I know there's one in on Cannery Row in Monterey. I've seen it, but I've never done it because I didn't quite know what I was getting myself into. But it does sound intriguing. But what are the mechanics of, of, of just going through the experience? Well, full disclosure, um, they recommend and it is like constantly um, 
uh, cleaned out, filtered out. Like it, it's 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 very very sanitary. Like so, you go in, and oftentimes I I would suggest checking to see if there are any places that have like an introductory rate because they'll try and sell you like a monthly membership. And I'm like, bro, I, I I'll be back in like twelve months. Like I'm not gonna spend a hundred bucks a month when I'm only going to be here one week a year. Like, nah, nah. so there's oftentimes like an inter- inter- introductory rate, which is anywhere from like, I don't know, 60 to 70 bucks. And that's for an hour. They're generally 45 minutes to depend. Like when I went to San Diego, I was in one, the first week I did it, I had three sessions. First one was an hour. Second session was 90 minutes. And the third session was three hours. And I came out of there knowing that my perfect float session is a 90 minute session and yeah. like to the point where because they'll they'll um they'll turn on the lights and get some music going to in case you end up falling asleep which is honestly very normal um you know like you know before like right around that you know 90th minute or whatever and i'm always like <sighs> like i'm good like i now know like when i'm done like i'm done i'm not going to gain any more benefit from doing this and it's always between yeah. 84 and 87 minutes um, so I would say check out to see if there are any places that have introductory rates. And so you go in, you fill out a form, give them consent to make sure that, you know, if I end up drinking like three gallons of this water, like I'm probably going to end up pooping myself. Don't drink the water. Please don't. Um, but you go in. That's a bargain for a transporting experience. I mean, usually I've spent more than $60 to have your mind blown like that. So. Oh, yeah. Look at what Elon Musk is charging you. And there's no guarantee you're going to come back. You know? <laughs> yeah. um, but no, you, you go in, you shower beforehand, you, you hop into the pod or the tub or whatever it is, how the room, whatever it is that you go into, you float, you come back out, you shower again. The first time before you float, you shower and shampoo and don't use conditioner because they, they, they don't want any added like dimethicones, silicones, oils, things like that going into the water. So you're going in squeaky clean. They do suggest, well, you put your earplugs in before you shower because you need earplugs because you don't want salt get, like and like that concentration of salt going in there. But um, and they, they ask you to go in nakey nakes. I'm not going to lie. Like some of the photos that you may see in like the, the brochures and everything, you'll see like, you know, this beautiful woman in her bikini, this, that, like, if you get, go in there with clothes and you get wet, it's going to cool off. And so for me, I'm just like, I don't want to have any semblance of knowing where anything is at all. So I'm all for going in all naked aches. And you, so you come out and then you shower. You condition this time because the salt can be uh, a little bit rough on your hair. And then you come out and it's like, you know, oftentimes they'll be like, they'll give you tea and they'll be like, do you want a journal? Or we've got some like logs and this and like, like Lincoln loggy kind of things. Or, you know, you go sit in a room with crystals or whatever. And I'm just like, I'm just, and then just get in my car and go. Um, because for <laughs> um, me, it's a very personal experience. I don't feel like I need to sit there and journal with other people around me. Like, you know, even if it's just the person that was at the front desk, I'm like, this is very personal, very private. This is my jam. I'm going to go and I'm going to sit in my car for about eight minutes before I even turn the engine on. This is quite an education to the, um, the salt bath immersion lifestyle. But I mean, the larger question I think that, that kind of hangs over this is how much did golf and being a LPGA professional affect your mental health? 
right? I mean, in some ways, you can't think of a more stressful job. Uh, we all know golf can be torture, but you're also you're displaced every week. You're often alone. Mm-hmm. Uh, it's not easy being a woman in the spotlight and on social media and all of that. I mean, we know that there's there's a, a downside to those things. So, uh, you know, can can you tease out how much just the professional golf lifestyle like kind of led you to that? At the top of that uh, chateau in in Spain? Of course. Um, I would say, see, it's hard to say because I'm the kind of person where, let's say, if I were to hire someone like my caddy, um, Todd Petrie, who's been helping me with my swing, let's say we're 65 yards out and he snaps 13 clubs in my bag and says, no, you have to hit three wood from 65 yards. It's my fault because I'm the dumbass that hired him. You know, like I sit back and I take full responsibility for everything and every action that I take. So for me, I still sit there and say this is still the onus is still on me um, because I allowed it to. And yes, like there are definite stresses when you sit there and say, okay, you're traveling. Like I think. I think like the year before I almost killed myself, I might have traveled 45 weeks out of that year. That's, That's a lot. insanity. A That's lot. crazy. And I mean, I, I travel a lot, and I don't think I've ever been gone more than 100 nights in a year, and it's usually way less than that. And that, that feels, that's exhausting. So For sure. Um, I and so I, I would wow. sit there and say, yeah, I mean, um, the lifestyle that I chose to lead definitely could have had something of an impact but at the same time, like nowadays, I, I sit here and I, I'm, I'm about to embark on six weeks on the road and I couldn't be more excited. You know, so much of it is a matter of perspective. And I think that the, the near-death experience that I had, actually, that, that saved my life. And in that way, Duncan saved my life. And so I sit here and I say, well, you know what, um, after I was good and okay after you know being on a very small dose of antidepressants for six months it just my eyes got opened and you know i turned 30 um fucking seven years ago now i remember when i was 29 years old 11 months and 30 days (laughs) i knew everything the the morning i woke up on my 30th birthday which I now call my mom and I's anniversary. It's not my, I didn't do shit. Like everything that happened to me, like literally happened to me. I didn't do anything on that day. I just, I didn't even help. So it's my mom and I's anniversary. Maybe, maybe my mom, my doctor and I's. And (laughs) I um, woke up and I was like, bitch, I don't know nothing. And was so excited because this means that I had an entire lifetime to learn something new. And so when you have those pressures that you put upon yourself, and this isn't me like trying to victim shame myself. This is just who I was. I I knew everything. I didn't need any help, this, that, whatever. And there's still times when people are like, wow, like I, I, um, Lexi Thompson, she's like, her dad's like, yeah, anytime we have a question, we literally just go to Christina. We don't even bother going to the LPGA officials. Like, Christina will know more <laughs> likely than they will, you know? And so there is still a little bit of that in my life. But I, And I sit there, and if there are times when I don't know the answer, I'm like, Scott, I will get back to you. Like, don't worry. I will get back to you. But I'm happy to admit that I don't know the answer to that right now. 
And so that sort of like allowed me to be released from these chains of always having to, you know, be right and always knowing everything, this, that. And I'm just like, honey, I don't know. I might shank this. I'm going to do everything I can to avoid it, but I might shank it. Like, and, and, and so that just sort of allowed every moment of my life to be an adventure, a mystery, and not even a challenge, you know? Like, I sit there, and I'm just like, oh, shit, I did shake it. <laughs> okay, let's go find it and try and hit it, and, and let's see if we can hold this one out, you know? And so a lot of it is perspective, and a lot of it is finding the fun in everything that you do. And you can find fun when you're able to be present. And I learned that as well because there's a book that I read uh, about three times a year. It's called Body, Mind, Mastery by Dan Millman. And it is... It's, it was revelatory for me because it was one of those things where it really taught me how to be present because it's like you can be mad truly you can be mad or you can focus on the task at hand you truly cannot do both you right. think you're focusing on the task at hand while you're mad it's like nah, uh, uh, uh. trust me you're mad because the only thing that's making you mad is something that has happened so the ability to be present is something that because that's where so much like that's where so much anxiety would stem from is you sit there and it's like you dwell on the past or whatever and i'm like sweetheart have you seen some of the shit that i wore when i was a kid like i had hair shorter than you have now alan and i spiked it up i had every color of the rainbow i wore golf sandals like oh, I, I was remember. a rock star I, I don't care you know like i thought i was like cool as shit and you know what I was because the best accessory is being able to own it. And so like other people's judgments and things like that have not affected me nearly as much as, as, as I think some other people's have, um, you know, and, and it, a lot of it is just truly understanding the reality of things. Like when it comes to social media, people will sit there and, 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 you know, I'll get trolled or whatever. And I'm just like, I hope you understand. I'm literally replying to you while I'm taking a poo. Like you're not actually wasting my day. <laughs> like it's not a big deal and also if we were face to face 99 times out of 100 you wouldn't have the gall to say something like that to me no are you like, kidding me they'd ask for a selfie give me a break um yeah. well it it's interesting i mean it it obviously an important part of of your story is you were able to reach out to that doctor you had that relationship with uh, how much infrastructure is there supplied by the tour now for, for players who are struggling, you know, emotionally, metaphysically, I mean, what is what um, is there for them? Well, on 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 a mental health level, uh, we do have access to um, doctors. We do oftentimes sort of act like one another psychiatrist or psychologist. You know, I mean, the amount of times where I'd be up late at night and I'd be talking, whether it's, you know, Michelle Wee or Jane Park or, you know, someone like that. And we would just sit there and just talk about what's going on in our lives and trying to help one another out. Like we do have that sense of community and camaraderie with each other. Um, and we have, we have, access to the app headspace <laughs> you know but it's, it's, it's hard app. i've though. tried it out yeah, yeah. it's and talk space both of them actually because i don't remember one of them is is more psychology and one of them is maybe more meditation and stuff i don't remember um but i mean realistically you talk to the vast majority of sports organizations you won't get anywhere near as much um psychological or mental health assistance as like 
homies on The Bachelor get. Like, I have a friend that was on The Bachelor, and it's like, you had to talk to a psychiatrist every single day to make sure that your mental health was okay and you weren't about to go on some sort of a murderous rampage. And I was like, why'd you do it, though? You know, I would think um, they, were, they were actually screening for the craziest people in that scenario. But, like, it has become, in professional sports, there's more conversation, and whether, you know, it's Kevin It's conversation, or, though. What, what, what application no. can you sit there and legitimately say? Like, do you, you know, can you name if there is a... Uh, team psychiatrist for any NBA team or any MLB team or anything like that. You know, there's still the stigma that even though like, you know, and, and sorry to interrupt and sorry to sound like, sorry to sound like, uh, so I don't even know that I was sound like a bitch there. Like, but like, you know, that, that, that wonderful commercial that had Joe Namath and, and some uh, NFL players talking about the importance of mental health and how it's okay to not be okay. Like, fuck yeah. What's the league doing about it? Right. Well, that I mean, that that goes to my earlier question: is what is the LPGA doing about it? Like, it doesn't. Sound I told like you, we got that, talk space. <laughs> yeah, it doesn't sound like there's much. I mean, you 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 have to care for your your players. You have physios, and you have mm-hmm. y'all have swing coaches, and you know the, the, your swing mechanics and your bodies are be taken care of. But the 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 emotional landscape. I mean, that that's in a lot of ways the most important. So. It, I'm actually surprised as progressive as Mike Wan has been on so many things that the LPGA has not invested more in in having uh, you know more available resources week in and week out. Well, I mean, we do have access to people, but that doesn't again and the, Lord knows this is not victim shaming because this is or victim blaming because I lived this. You can't get help unless you understand that you need it or that you want it. Like, you know, it's, it's, it's a tough call because, you know, it's, and we're, we're forced into that stigma of, yeah, you know, yeah, sure. We're girls and golf, but it's like, no, bro, I'm a golfer that happens to have an any, not an Audi. Like, and so you have to be strong. You have to do this. You have to be a, a, a boss ass bitch. You have to, it's like, nah, son, like I saw your man's over there. He was crying. Like everybody has emotions like you know so it's and and it goes back again to everything is societal you know like until as a society we're able to because in all honesty like shit words are words and that's one reason why i have no problem with a lot of these trolls i'm like dude words mean nothing what are you going to do about it i've been getting death threats since for like almost 20 years now i'm like okay no i'm still here son (laughs) <laughs> words mean words can only mean so much if you let them. But you don't think that they they take a, a cumulative toll, and to use your analogy from earlier, that that siphoned away some of your your gas and your oil and your your other valuable fluids. Like I mean, it you definitely have to fend did. That stuff off. It yeah. definitely did. I'm better equipped so that I understand what the tr- what what it really is and what it really means to me now. So now it doesn't like the amount of times like someone will try and like get at me and I'm like, all right, hold up, <clears throat> like, you know, crack my knuckles. I'm like, all right, I'm fat. I'm a has been. I'm old. Like where come at me. I didn't go to college. So that makes me stupid. Like, trust me, because I, and I love myself more than all the love that the world has for me. I still love myself more than that, because the way I see it at the end of the day Everybody dies destitute and alone, regardless of how much money you have in your bank account, regardless of how many people are surrounding you on your deathbed, you die destitute and alone. 
I embrace that. I'm good with that. And so I have to love myself more than the amount of love that there is around the world. And that's not me being cocky. This is self-preservation. And I sit there and it's just like, at the same time, I'm like, bro, I can go back into the archives. And it's like, there's not a single thing that you can say to me that I couldn't turn right around and be like, well, this is what I've said to myself. So you're going to have to keep trying. Go back to school for a couple more years and then see if you can actually come at me and affect me. Okay. I, I take all that at face value. But at the same time, I mean, and you're very self-deprecating, but there is a enforced standard of beauty in this culture, even on the LPGA Tour. I mean, you've had a much better career than Natalie Gulbis, um, objectively speaking. But, you know, she was kind of the, the face of the LPGA for much of your your time out there. I mean, the fact that you didn't, you, you didn't fit this, this feminine ideal. I mean, how challenging is it to go out there in front of people and hearing gallery whispers and whatever it may be like, what kind of toll did that take? If any, I one Natalie is absolutely gorgeous. And if there's a faction of society that would prefer to watch her than watch me, why would I want them watching me anyway? Like, those aren't my people. Do you know what I mean? And two, yeah. if you're going to listen to the things that are said about you as opposed to the things that are said to you, that's why I always have fun when I'm like, if I've got a, a group of friends and we're, you know, like, let's say if we're just, you know, like, not like talking shit, but just talking shit, you know? And then someone's like, wait, 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 what was that? I'm like, oh, sweetheart, don't worry. We're talking about you, not to you. So truly don't worry about it. Um <laughs> But it's like, it's one of those things where I sit there and I'm like, that's their universe. They want to live in that universe. Go for it. Like, I don't care how many people love me. I don't care how many people hate me. I'm now, now after everything that I've been through, I'm in a place where I'm secure enough. Like the amount of followers, I, I lost almost a thousand followers during election season because of the fact that I would be vocal and say how I support Joe Biden and like very, very rarely ever said anything negative about the former guy. Like the fact that people would like stop and unfollow the, the, and then the number of times people would like, let me know that they're going to unfollow me. And I'm like, can I still wish you a good life filled with joy and prosperity and love? Like <laughs> have a good life. Thanks well, for following me while you did. Like I, what do I, what do you want me to t do with this information? Oh, okay. I'm going to believe QAnon just so that one homie can follow me. Like, I'm okay, dude. You live your life and I hope it's filled with love and joy. Truly. I'm going to go here. I'm going to do mines. <laughs> well, I mean, you're way more advanced than most of humanity because the rest of us do care what, what people think about us. And we some of us obsess over it. I don't think I do, but it's definitely... That's and it's only exploded in the age of social media where everyone's life is perfectly curated and you feel like everyone's having fun except for you and they're all on vacation somewhere glamorous and you're at home and like there's the amount of FOMO that's been introduced into the world um, and the sense of not belonging or not being good enough or not being, you know, whatever it may be. I, I think that that's probably increased in the last seven years when you've been on this other journey. So it, it's. It's commendable. I mean, I'm, I'm, I'm inspired by that. It's not, it's well, not, it's not an easy trick. Well, thank you. I, I will say it did require me to almost kill myself to get to this point. So I would rather other people not 
embark on that same journey. Maybe just try and absorb and learn from the lessons that I had to go through. Understand that you can take these crazy in one's own opinion as you're experiencing it quote psychotic unquote thoughts and processes and all of these incredibly hurtful things that we allow ourselves to say because this is another thing that I've come to realize and and I I actually had a chat um it was at the end of the season last year, and it was one of the final rounds of the tournament for the CME Glow, uh, the, the the race to CME, the the Tour Championship. And I was playing with Inji Chun, and I've known her for years. I've, I've I've followed along with her her entire career, and even beforehand. And she was not well, and I could I could see it. I could see that she wasn't, you know, because she's like one of the most graceful, truly kind-hearted, wishes nothing but the best for everyone gentle souls on the planet and she was not in a good way and so we were on the 17th hole and we were waiting because it was reachable par five and it's taken forever as as it happens and and I, I I taught I went up to her and I said are you okay and she was just like yeah and I was like no are you okay like what's going on and we had this like t- probably like a seven minute conversation where I was talking to her about, and I wasn't talking at her. I was, a lot of it was like, you know, the things that I've experienced and some of the things that I have seen, I'm not saying, I'm not going to direct this dead at you because sometimes it can be so jarring and offensive and, and, and too much. If you, if I sit there and say, no, there's something wrong with you. Talk it out. If they're not ready to talk about it, like, oh, well, you know, I've witnessed this and I've noticed these trends, this and that about, you know, just my several decades of being on this earth or whatever. And I just kind of mentioned how, you know, how hard it can be out here and how lonely it can be and how the one thing that I want for her is her happiness, whatever that may mean. Um, Talk to her about the death threats that I received over my lifetime. Talk to her about how um, even when it's lonely at the end of the day, Let's take the, 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 the love of your life. Let's take your, um, if you have a pet, let's take if you have a favorite parent, because I'm sure everybody probably has one. I don't know. Um, and you hear them saying about themselves to you some of the shit that you say in your own brain. Would you stand for that? There's no fucking way you would stand for that. You would sit there and be like, whoa, listen, you're, 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 you're incredible. You're smart. You're talented. You're funny. You're compassionate. You care. This is who you are. You're not stupid. You're not useless. You're not alone. Not until you die. Cause then we're all going to be destitute and alone, but that's like a totally different topic. You know, like you're incredible. And if you could see half of the potential that I see in you, you're going to go back to being that girl that won the U.S. Open at Lancaster Country Club. And I just said that, like, just trying to be like, hey, you know, you're good. Everything's good. She started weeping in the middle of our round on the golf course. And I was like, oh, 
I was like, oh no, I'm like, this is a driver here. Yeah. Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) We were waiting in the fairway, and I was like, oh no, no, no. And I was like, I don't want to touch. I I was like, I really want to hug you, but I haven't touched another body except I bumped into Stacey Lewins once by accident during a practice round, and that squishy, fleshy feeling really kind of made me want to vomit. I'm so sorry. And she was just like, no, no. She's like, I needed to hear this. Thank you so much. It's been so hard. I've been alone. It's so hard to travel. Uh, you know, I don't have my family. All my friends are over in Korea, this, that. And she just, just let it out. And I was just sat there and I'm just like, I understand. Like, this can be hard. But no matter what the sponsor um, pressures you may be under, societal pressures that you may be under, this and that, yours is the only opinion of you that matters. Even my opinion of you, and I'm like one of your biggest fans as a human being, my opinion means shit. What matters is what you think of you. And if you can believe in yourself, you can do anything. And like, it was like, it was a bit heavy because I was just like, I didn't realize it was going to be like, I didn't think I was going to make you cry. I'm so sorry. So that was one of the things. Like, if you, if you... Would you ever let your best friend or your lover or like if you're if we can anthropomorphize our pets and have our pets be like, oh, I'm so stupid. I'm the worst. No one should love me. Like, would you would you let your puppy dog say that to you? No, of course not. No. So why would you allow yourself to say that? There's no one out there that should be your even even my best, best, best friend. As much as 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 much love as we have for another. I love myself that much more because I have to. And I, that came yeah. by way of the amount of hatred that I had for myself before. So it comes from learning. And the greatest lessons that you can learn are taught by way of pain, which sucks. But if someone can share their pain with you so that you don't have to go through that, that would be what I would want to come from my life. Well, that was that was going to be my next question: is how much responsibility do you feel to share your story publicly? I don't. I don't. That's not. I don't really feel like it's my onus to have to do that. Like somebody wants to be like, "Yo, I heard you almost killed yourself. The fuck happened?" I'm like, "Oh, okay." You know, and then I'll talk to them about it. Or if I see someone that's hurting, then because I hate to see pain, whether it's physical or emotional, I hate to see pain because I've gone through a lot of both. And so if there's anything that I can do to try and help, and that has taught me a lot by way of communication because there's, 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 there are times when you need to speak to someone when they're going through something like that. And then there's time to sort of, you know, just kind of lay everything out, but off in the distance where they can see it from a bit farther back. And so I, I've done it a couple of times um, but if someone wants to talk about it, like, sure. I mean, we can have it over a beer. I mean, I ain't going to drink. I'm not going to waste those carbs, but like, I'll have a water and then you can have a beer and we can talk it over. But I, I'm not going to sit there and I don't want to, I don't, I don't feel like I need to preach about it or anything like that. My story's out there. And if people want to know what my story is, I'll tell you. Cause I'm like, I can't change anything about what happened. It's like already done. And I try and focus on the yeah. present. So whatever's past is past. It's not a matter of preaching, but you do have a, a platform that's available to you. And, you know, and to everyone else on to iTunes, you. Spotify, iHeartRadio, 
you know, Google Play. I, was, I, I meant more like your worldwide celebrity <laughs> and, you know, being a, a jet setting professional golfer, which does does give you a platform. It, uh, so that that's why I meant responsibility, because, as you say, it's something you're passionate about. And uh, whereas you might have a friend back home and you grew up in, in San Jose who feels just passionately, but they don't they can't command the same audience and they can't spread the same kind of gospel. Right. So it's a little it's a little different. Oh, for that's sure. What I meant and by that's the thing by is responsibility. There's it's a little bit of a dance though. Because if I sit here and continually harp on it all of the time, like we might be talking about, you know, a metaphysical means of the LPGA hoodie for like an Alan Shipnuck out there. I gotta toe the line, son. I'm not gonna oversaturate everything. Okay, yeah. I'm, I don't want to create haters <laughs> <laughs> the, the hoodie remark has gone. It's already left the building. Um, well, did you see Steph Curry was wearing it the other night? <laughs> unfortunately, I did. And um, the, we just had a conference call, uh, Matt, Alex, and I, uh, the, representing the Fire Pit Collective with the PGA Tour, and one of their staffers was wearing the LPJ hoodie. I was like, this, they're just... <laughs> you can't get away from it. <laughs> um, so... Not that you need a victory to uh, to redeem yourself or to, to close the story, but it just so happens that I know Lorraine Ocho has always been a very special person in your life, and you competed against each other on the, the Symmetra Tour, and you guys were always close. And so basically a year after you re, you know you hit rock bottom, you go and you win her tour, her tournament down in, in Mexico, and that's... Mm-hmm. Um, that had to be exceptionally gratifying. Maybe we'll end on that note. Like, just what did that victory feel like, and what did it mean to you? Well, it meant it meant everything to me. To be honest, it was it was my truly it was my first introduction to being able to stay present for an extended period of time for an entire week. And it's funny because every time I'd be walking down the fairways, if I came across an imperfect lie or, you know, if I sniped a shot here or there, whatever it was, I would sit there and say, what would Lorena do? Like WWLD, like it was just very (laughs) silly. And at the same time, I would just sit there and just try and be as Zen, as present in the moment, whatever the hell it is that you want to call it as I could be. And it was just so remarkable to be able to know that, yeah, I could, I can still win, you know, and, and I feel even better equipped now to be able to tackle that on than I did back then, which is like crazy to me. Um, but it was, it was so amazing. And, and the history, I mean, Lorena served me my first alcoholic beverage when I was 15 years old, when we were in Mexico, she introduced me to the Michelada when she won the (laughs) Mexican woman's amateur. I think it was maybe for the, eighth straight year or maybe it was a fifth or seventh something that no one ever will achieve again and um she didn't personally serve me she just introduced me to it very big difference my dad was right there um 
But it this was. This is a judgment. This is a judgment free zone, and micheladas are delicious. I, they I are pretty them. darn good. I ain't gonna lie. I ain't gonna yeah. lie. She done did a good job. Um, she and all the all the other girls, and yeah. you know, it was just it was so amazing because it was like between all of the raucousness that is um, Mexico City, which is one of my favorite cities in the entire world. It's so vibrant. The culture is so incredible. The food is amazing. The people are beautiful. Everyone, it's so busy but everybody is in their own universe which i i and i absolutely love that um that was i'll interject and say it's one of my favorite cities too mexico city is phenomenal but it's incredible let's stay focused the question is you had just been in the depths of despair you're you're on the precipice of this this castle and thinking about ending it all and in a matter of months you've you've now you've won this couple years and okay a couple years yeah so 18 or 19 or 20 months it's still um like could could you take in just that journey and, and how far you had traveled uh just within yourself honestly no because i had done such a great job of staying present and not focusing on my past i mean i can now again because i still don't even know like I think it was 2012. I, I could be wrong. Could have been 11. Um, I don't have nearly as, as as strong a hold on it. It's it's you know it's 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 like, and it sounds kind of morbid, but it's like a first love. Like it's 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 far away, and you you remember, but you can't remember. You know, and and it is always going to kind of you know wisp through and be around. And real quick, another thing that I do to take care of my. Um, mental, physical, and emotional states is what I call hibernation, where I will take anywhere from 24, I'll take anywhere from one to one to 10 days, depending on how much hibernation I need. And I stay in bed, blinds are, uh, you know, blinds are down. I just load myself up with like water, macadamia nuts, almonds, maybe some cheese or something like that. And I lay in bed and just legitimately turn into a potato. And that yeah, is def- to physically, you're... emotionally, and mentally reset me. And it, it's de- that's been my best, my favorite. <laughs> you are definitely not having kids. That, that that's that's the the bachelorette lifestyle right there. But well, it's I mean, hard. It's hard. Like I it, let's say if 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 I were to get married and have kids, I would be so acutely aware of everyone's. I'd like to think that I'd be so acutely aware of everyone's like, you know, levels and everything that if I had to go and be like, I need to hibernate Bye. like I'll go and I'll book a hotel for three days and there's going to have to be that understanding. And it'd be one of those things where it's like, you're going to go with the boys for, um, you know, a weekend or something. Okay. I got it. Like it's, it's again, this is me as a non-parent and as a, not a never Trumper, a never parenter, you know, like a never, you know, I've never, that's not in my cards. That's what this beautiful vision that I have as opposed to what the reality is. And I'm happy to live in my delusion. Respect that. Well, I have to say, I, uh, I appreciate your, your candor and your openness. I mean, I definitely learned a little bit more about you. I, I knew a lot of this story, but not all of it. And, uh, I mean, you should give yourself a little credit. It it takes it takes a lot of bravery to put yourself out there the way that you do, and to be, you know, so 
vulnerable in, in talking about these things because most of us don't want to relive our, our lowest moments. You know, you want to pretend they didn't happen. And, but I think the way you've embraced it, it obviously informs everything that, that followed. And so anyway, well, thank you for sharing. Two things. But, I'm going to continue to interrupt you, and I'm so sorry. One, I thought I knew what strength was. But to admit reality is true strength. And sometimes the reality is things are shit. That's okay. It's okay to not be okay. And two, I don't see myself as being vulnerable or this or that because like one of my favorite things to tell people when they talk about like, you know, oh, you know, how are you able to be so open and this and that? I'm like, bro, even Beyonce poos. We're all just people. So no one is better than the other. You know, I'm, I'm going to be everybody's biggest cheerleader and loudest supporter as well as my own. Like, that's just, that's just how I'm wired is I never want to wish ill will on anybody. Cause that, that can be, I tried once it's draining. Like just everybody just <laughs> do your best and then let, let whatever happens happen. Like stop. There's no, there's no ability to influence anyone else. Because if someone does get influenced by what you do, that's on them. That's not on you. Yeah, I love that. It's there's a lot of perspective here. We didn't even talk about golf. How refreshing was that? Like <laughs> uh, we did an entire episode of a golf podcast. And we didn't even say the word golf. So golf, golf, uh, golf, 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 golf. There we go. <laughs> good, covered it, nailed it. All right. Well, um, thank you for your uh, your realness. Uh, I appreciate it and. Um, I hope the listeners got a little something out of this and we'll come back at me. We'll do a little more golf next time if we have to, but of course. Uh, and I want to hear more about beauty. your story. <laughs> it's not as interesting. I don't think, but okay. We you can, can't sit me- there and say that your story is your story. It's fascinating. Cause look at, you've made it to here. That's brilliant. Yeah, indeed. Maybe we'll do it. We'll do an episode where you ask all the questions. We'll see how that goes. That could be, that could be interesting. We're going to yeah, we'll, like, what'd that's, you have for dinner? <laughs> <laughs> Let's workshop that offline, but uh, that's got that's got potential. We'll just, uh, I mean, and let's do another episode where it's just Q and A, like questions off of uh, followers, off of you know whether they're emails yeah. that we receive, something like that. Let's just do something fun like that. Let's absolutely, and well, the problem is I don't think we're going to find any guests who are as interesting as you are. But we, I think we that's do at te- some point. We'll- <laughs> We will involve guests, I promise. We'll involve guests, yes. Yes. I mean, this relationship's been very exclusive, but I think we, you know, we have to be a little more um, Polyamorous? I was going to say that, but it could be misconstrued. But yes, that's exactly the word I was reaching for. (laughs) (laughs) So There's no love lost. Yes, give give Duncan a hug. You know, I love that guy. So it's all good. Of course, um, of course. All right, well, this is the Full Send podcast with... Christina Kim. Yeah, thank you. Alan Shipnuck. Thank you for listening. Um, we are available wherever you find podcasts. But you know that because if you're listening, you've already found us. But um, certainly, I, I, I think it's in the bylaws of the podcast uh, union that you have to tell people if they're enjoying it, they can subscribe and they can rate it. But really, live your life. That was the message of this whole podcast. So we're not going to make anyone do anything they don't want to do. But if you're so inclined, we wouldn't mind. And uh We'll be back at it again next week, every week in perpetuity, I think. So it's like a life sentence at this point. But um, this is a good one, Christina. Thank, thanks for uh, thanks for riding shotgun on this whole thing. <laughs> of course, Alan. Uh, yeah. All right. We're done. Bye. That's a wrap.